Good morning. How are you guys today? What an awesome day uh, to, be, to be alive, number one, but secondly, to be in worship. And we're really glad you're with us today. My name is Randy, uh, the minister here, and I'm excited about today um, uh, just what God is doing in our church family. Isn't it awesome? And uh, didn't uh, Eric do an incredible job this morning of, uh, of teaching parents? I'm telling you, uh, great job. You know, uh, I was thinking about how when you're speaking, it's very easy to get distracted. And with so much that was going on, on the stage, I was like, Eric, you're doing an awesome job of staying on point. Uh, he, re- he did a great job. We are so blessed to have uh, Eric and his staff that work with our Journey Kids uh, and for, for what's going on this morning. Well, here we are, guys. We are at the end of this series. Uh, seemed like series come and go kind of quickly, but this one has been entitled Sunday's Coming. And uh, we talked about the fact as we've gone through this about how it's easy, relatively so, for us to be Christians on Sunday. We come together and we worship, you know, and uh, it's great. We sing and we go out here kind of pumped up and then we hit smack in the face with the world, you know. Uh, It really is hard for us uh, when we get out there, but it's easy in this place. And we said the real test of our faith is not what happens here automatically, it's what Monday looks like. Because what happens on Monday through Saturday may be more important actually than what happens here on Sunday. Now, I don't want to diminish what happens here because this is important. Sunday is a big day for us. It's the day we come together, we worship, we fellowship, we share, we encourage one another. All that's important, but our lives are lived out primarily all the other hours throughout the week. And so we prepare here on Sunday for what happens tomorrow and what we're going to go into tomorrow. We looked at how our faith translates into our work one day, about how we need to be the Christian at work as well and being courageous to share our faith, how to do that. And then we talked about it in our community, what it's like to, um, to, to share community, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the week at various times. And today we're going to conclude this series by talking about what, how it translates in our parenting and with our kids. We're going to tie that into our dedication a little bit here. And I will tell you that kids are a really big deal at our church. Journey Church, we love kids. The other day, Eric was sharing with me and said, you know what, we had 70 kids on one Sunday. We had 70 children under kindergarten age. That means from birth to four years old, there were 70 kids back there. Now, every now and then when I'm not preaching, I get a chance to go back there and walk around those rooms. I love to see that. I love to see the little kids. Now, 70 kids is a lot of kids when they're little. And and sometimes those, those people who are back there working, I mean, I look at them and think my job is so easy that I just get to come up here and talk and they got to deal with busy little kids. Some of them are kind of crying. I stop in, I make them start crying, you know, and then I, I leave and, you know, but, but I mean, just incredible volunteers. But we love kids. We love kids. And we try to be very intentional and very deliberate with how we teach and minister to your children. You know, a few years ago, we shared a philosophy that's called Orange. And the Orange philosophy is kind of a, it's kind of a, uh, uh, they, they provide conferences, but also curriculum and training But here's the idea. You take yellow, which is the light of the church, and you take red, which is the heart of a parent, and you merge those together and you get orange. And that's what we want to do because when you take the light of the church and combine it with the love of a family, then you increase the potential to influence a kid's life. And this morning, we had some parents who stood on this stage just a few moments ago and dedicated their children to raise them in the knowledge and love of the Lord. And what we want to do is help you do that. We want to help you because we know that is hard work. Believe me, I, I am a parent, and I know what it's like to try to raise a child uh, and, and how you need the help of other people around you. I'll talk more about that later. 
Uh, but we want to know that the church, that you to know the church is there. And we can help you do that. We can't, however, do it for you. And the reason we can't do it for you is because we only have them about an hour or two a week. And you have them all the rest of the time, which is what parenting really is all about. To be honest with you, you can't, can't farm your kids out, but we want to take them a while, do our part. Then we want to help you do your part as well. So we want to partner with you in this idea of orange. So if you hear that word thrown about, it means your love, the red of your heart, the light of the church combined to work together, to partner, to help them become the disciples of Jesus Christ that they're called to be, help them to be secure in their faith, and also to have an impact on other people as well. Now, we have an awesome staff here that does, we have some incredible volunteers that love your children who want to encourage you as a parent in your job. One of the things that our staff does on a weekly basis is they send out a parent cue. Now, if you have a child in our ministry, either in the smaller children or in our student ministry, you ought to receive on a regular basis an email with what's called a parent queue. And a parent queue is just a, a, lot of, a lot of information about what your child's studying in our programming, but also there's some ideas about some events coming up, but there's always some advice as well about some particular area of parenting to help you be a better parent. So if you're not getting the parent queue, uh, you may want to say something to Eric or Jake, our student guy, to find out why. Because we would love for you to get that information coming to you on a weekly basis. But what we want to do is encourage you to take responsibility for your child spiritually. That's what it's all about as a, as a Christian parent. And we want to encourage you to, to keep your children in church as well. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Understand that it's our job in a given period of time that we have with our kids to raise them up, to teach them, to train them as they should go biblically. We'll talk about that, that perspective as well. And then when they get older, they have to understand what to do with it. Here's what I believe with all of my heart. I believe that one day we as parents will stand before God, have to give an account not only for our lives, but also for how we have raised our children. I believe that God will ask us, how did you do this? Now, we can't decide whether they finally accept Christ. That's every individual's decision. But the question will be, have we exposed them and taught them the truth? And have we allowed them to have the influence of the church community as well to encourage them? We do the best that we can do on Sunday. We promise you we'll do that. But what about the rest of the week? What about Monday? Because all of us know that while today may be a great day and easy to be a Christian, tomorrow it's all going to hit us in the face. We all have a Monday mindset, or we all have a Sunday mindset, and that's not enough. we got to have a Monday mission. And so I want to encourage you in this final series, in this uh, sermon in this series, to think about what tomorrow means for children. What does it mean in their lives? Because in order for us to make an impact, our faith has to be more than what we do in this given hour on Sunday morning or two hours or whatever. It has to be something that pervades all of our life. Because not only is Monday coming for you and I, when we face our jobs and the people around us, but also money's coming for our kids as well. So what does that look like? Well, I don't know about you, but I remember when our kids were small that the day didn't really begin at daylight. It began the night before. So let me tell you that Monday really will begin this evening. Now, let me give you one caveat. I didn't realize how this was going to work out. Uh, tomorrow is fall break, so it's going to be a little bit different, all right? But breaks are unusual. We're going to talk about the norm, all right? So tonight will be different because your kids, I don't know what they're doing tomorrow. They're probably not going to school, though. Uh, but most, Sunday, uh, most Mondays, they're going to go to school. And most Mondays begin on Sunday night. 
And for some kids, Sunday night is kind of crazy, you know, because I don't know about you, but when our family, uh, the weekend wasn't like the rest of the time. So we were a little bit uh, more lax, and our kids stayed up a little bit later. So your child is leaving, uh, they are leaving a weekend that maybe was crazy with a little bit of balance missing, and they're getting ready to go into a structured week. And that's what it looks like on, on Sunday night for many kids. For some kids, it's kind of crazy because they're being dropped off at another parent's house. In some broken families, you know, uh, maybe they've spent the weekend with the parent, and now they have to go to the other parent. And so it's a little bit uh, crazy for them to make that adjustment. It may be traumatic for some. For some, it may be a kindergarten student that's already upset about going to a new place tomorrow. They haven't gotten accustomed to kindergarten yet. Maybe it's a third grader that's upset because she has to wear a patch on her eye. Remember, one of our kids had to do that, and it was always tough talking about going to school the next day because it really kind of set her apart from the others. Or maybe it's a middle school boy who is climbing into his mother's lap to cry because he doesn't fit in. I remember those days with our son as well. Or maybe a high schooler in your home that's dealing with the temptation of drugs and alcohol and sex, and they've had a little bit of break, a weekend, but now they're going to have to deal with it all tomorrow morning again. You add all those things together, and it kind of gives us a picture of what Monday looks like for our kids. Mondays are very stressful. They're stressful for our kids, you know. I think a lot more stressful than they were in my day. You know, I was one of those kids that hated school, to be honest with you. I I thought if I ever got out of school, I would never go back, and it's hard to believe I did a couple times. But but you know what? Our kids, uh, in that day, it seemed simpler. Today, there's a lot of demand on our kids. I mean, there's a demand of school and work and and homework and sports and practices and activities and, and chores and friends and all those things they have to do. Our kids are too busy. I'm telling you, they're too busy. But it's very stressful for our kids. Mondays are also very unpredictable as well for our kids. I mean, they don't know what they're going to face tomorrow on the bus or when they get to school among their friends, what kind of pressure they have, fears of their safety and everything else today. There's pressure, there's anxiety. Do they have their homework done? Do they have the right homework done? Did they bring their homework to school? How many of us know that sometimes our kids, you know, forget to even do it and then they forget to take it with them? They're unpredictable. Mondays are kind of loud, aren't they? You know, more and more there are kids that are struggling with just the loudness of our world, just the sounds. But not only that, there's a lot of messages that bombard our kids. Messages that says, you know what, you're dumb or you're ugly or you don't fit in here. You're not a part of us. They hear those messages bombarding them. Mondays are chaotic for our kids. They're, they're kind of crazy. You know, you may have kids that have to be dropped off at two or three different schools. And so, you know, your kid's kind of anxious about getting there on time or getting to the right place. And who, what's going to happen when they do get there? There's some chaos. And then, and then oftentimes they have to be picked up after school and dropped off at practices and lessons and appointments. And, and then you do a drive-through dinner. And then there's more activities and more busyness. And then you finally get to go home. Then you've got homework to do and bedtime to get ready for. I don't know about you, but I remember those days. I do, and, and sometimes, you know, you have to stop and ask yourself, are we crazy or what? You know, why are we doing this to our kids? Are we giving them too much? Are we doing, giving them more than enough they can really handle? You know, I remember that with our four kids and down through the years. Now, maybe you're sitting there and you're going, well, you know, I don't have kids. I think, you know, by the time I describe this, some of you are being grateful a little bit that you don't have kids that are raised, you know. But if you don't have kids, you still impact kids. 
I'm talking about grandkids or nieces or nephews or the neighbor's children or, or maybe just your willingness to take on the responsibility of a child somewhere and interact with them. So the question I want to ask you today is, with all this chaos that we've described here and all that's going on in our kid's life, how do we take that child and help them transfer their faith from Sunday to their regular life on Monday? Whether you're a parent, an aunt or uncle, grandparent, whatever it might be, a, a volunteer, how do we transfer that? And I think the way that we have to do that is kind of to, to distill and sort through all the stuff in our life and ask ourselves the question, what really matters in life? A lot of activities, a lot of things that we do, but what really matters when it comes to leading children and instilling our faith in them? So I'm going to throw some things at you that I think really matters. The first thing that matters is I think a vision matters for your child. Having a vision for your child. You know, it's so easy for us to raise our kids into adulthood and never take time to think about the type of person that we want them to be. I mean, you know, we just almost have to do it. You're thrown, you're thrust. Nobody knows what to expect when you become a parent. And you just kind of just survive. You kind of hang on for a lot of times. And then you kind of get to the place where you can, can at least get through it. But, you know, you, you can raise your child and never really focus on what do I want this young person to look like. Never really have a vision in your mind. Do you have a vision for your child? If you do, then, then start with the end in mind. They say that's a great idea for any process. Start with the end in mind. What do you want this person to look like when they get older? I don't mean visually on the outside. I mean in, inside the heart. What characteristics do you want them to have? Now, every child has a unique bent. We know that. Gifts, passions, and talents. But what personality traits, what characteristics do you want them to develop? You know, Eric touched on this a little bit earlier. But, but think about things like kindness and service, and generosity, and strength, and faithfulness, and tenacity, and the ability to resist temptations. If those are all things that you want for your child, when they get to be an adult, then kind of keep that in mind, and think about what can I do to help my child learn how to serve other people? How can I help them to be generous? How can I help them to be faithful in what they believe, and strong, and kind to people? And you know what? When you think about it, really, all those things that we want to teach them are things that we have to model. That's really where it comes from, from our example there. But you can develop these traits in your child by your guidance and by modeling that. Here's the second thing I think that matters, and that is a strategy. A strategy matters. You can have the greatest vision in the world, but if you have no strategy to accomplish it, you probably will not be very successful. you got to have a plan. And here's a great thing. We're not left out there to wander and figure it out by ourselves. God has a plan. God gave us a plan for developing people, not just our children, but, but everyone. Here's what it says, Matthew 28. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything or obey everything that I've commanded you. You know what? Jesus said that the strategy for all people is to make disciples or followers of Christ. Now you might say, well, I thought we were talking about parenting, not about evangelism. I'm talking about both. That's what it's all about. Because I believe that our efforts to make disciples begins with our children. It starts with our kids, you know. If you know me and you've been around very long, you've heard me say many times that your family is your very first ministry. Your very first ministry. I tell our staff that all the time. You know, because I believe that with all of my heart, that my family is my first ministry. If I fail there, I'm going to be not very successful anywhere, probably. 
but you're going to have 18 years more or less to lead and influence your child and to help them learn to follow Jesus. And that really is what your primary responsibility is all about. Because we have this parenting manual called the Bible. And while it may not cover every little issue about what you do with the problem at school, it gives you principles about how to be a parent, how to instill these values that you want and this vision into your child's life. And so you take the Word of God and you just share that with your child day after day. You learn that you have a strategy to accomplish your vision. And the third thing that matters is truth. Truth really matters to your kids. You know what? They're not going to hear a lot of truth in the world. They're going to hear all these lies about who they are or who they're not. They're going to hear lies about what, what God says and what God doesn't approve of. So we have to learn to give them truth and, learn, and teach them to love truth, to embrace truth, to accept truth. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you are at hall at home, set at home, and when you're walking along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Well, you know, I remember when our kids were little, they used to write all everything, the walls. Uh, you know, you're going, I don't think we want to write on our walls. But what he's basically saying is this is a practical way. You, you just make this so much a part of your world that your kids every day are hearing truth, that you are sitting with them and walking with them, and you're using every opportunity to instill in them, every teachable moment to communicate truth. And do that in a, in a relevant way because truth will only connect with your children if it is given with love and with practical application. You know, I remember people telling me about their parents sitting down with them and, and reading to them out of the King James Bible, which is a little bit hard to understand sometimes. And they just said, you know, as a, as a child, I remember my parent reading this to me, but we never talked about what it meant. And so it was kind of complicated about just hearing things without not really being told what they mean in my life. And, and, and that can even maybe harden someone at times. So learn how to make a practical application with the truth that you have and do it with love. Don't be so dogmatic that you feel your kids feel like you're mad at them, but just share these things. Learn to, uh, to share and accept truth as a, as a really big part of maturing in our life. Here's what it says in Ephesians 4. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So we speak the truth, but we do it with love. And that's a part of our maturing. So truth matters. One other thing that matters is empathy. Empathy matters with our kids. Someone said that empathy is the ability to press pause on your own feelings long enough to explore somebody else's feelings. Let me repeat that because that's an important part in all relationships. Pressing pause on your own feelings long enough to explore someone else's feelings. Parents, I don't know about you, but there's been times when I had a truth that I wanted my child to get. I was really frustrated and maybe even angry because this truth, they weren't getting it there. But the reality is that even though we may have a truth, an important point, we have to sometimes stop, push pause on our feelings and our emotions and say, okay, how can I really communicate this truth to them? How can I, how, how can I help them to get it? Because I don't want to yell at them, but I really want them to not miss this point. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves, you know what, do I care enough about what's going on with them in the way that I would care about another adult, in the way that I want them to care about what's going on with me? 
I don't know about, about you, but sometimes as parents, we think our kids don't care what's going on, and probably we're right. But then I have to ask, do we care what's going on with them as well? How do we present a truth in such a way, showing empathy, that, that they learn and respond in their own uniqueness? How do we do that to our kids? Because it's not about yelling. It's not about getting, being right. It's about communicating truth and helping them to understand those things. Let me give you an example of empathy. Let's say you're walking along a road, and you see in the road a big hole, and not just a pothole, but a deep hole, and you look down into the hole, and you discover it's very deep, and there's, a, there's somebody in it. And that person is in that hole, and they've been there for a while, and they, they can't even see out of the hole, and they've given up. They've sat down in the hole. Well, you can stand at the top of the hole and tell them, you know what, you ought to get out of that hole because it's not good to be there. You can't stay there. It's not healthy. You're going to starve. You're going to freeze. You can preach. You can tell them all those things, how wrong it is. But that's not empathy. Empathy says, I'm going to climb down into the hole with them, and I'm going to sit there, and together we're going to figure out how to get out of the hole. That's what empathy is all about. I, I wish I had known this more when I was a parent. You know, my kids were smaller. I probably would have gotten down in the hole with them a little more often instead of about telling them how, how they need to get out. But you know, when you think about it, that really is what Jesus did. Because Jesus came along to our earth and he saw that man was in a hole. What was the hole? It was humanity. And he was stuck. We're stuck down there. But Jesus didn't just preach to us and tell us how wrong it was. He climbed into the hole with us. He became a human being. And then he figured out a way for us to get out together. He brought truth with love. He empathized. And that's what we have to do to help our kids today. You know what? We oftentimes don't have to need to look at the moment in our child, but look at their potential and think about how do I teach them and how do I move them? Reggie Joyner, who is really big with Orange uh, in that, that ministry, said, Every kid was designed and created for something bigger than what's happening in their life right now. That every kid's designed for something bigger. And you know what? Sometimes our kids just need to know when they feel like a loser, you know what? You may not be the best at this. You may not be as good as everybody else, but you are made for something incredible. And I want to help you accomplish that. I want to help you get there. And the truth is really that what you want to impart to your child is that Jesus is the answer that Jesus loves them. Jesus wants to come into their lives. He wants to be their friend. He wants to come and be a part of their daily lives. You know, we all probably have seen that picture in uh, our Bibles. I remember when I was a kid, there was a picture of Jesus standing at the door knocking. You know, that's an old, old picture. And really it comes from Revelation chapter 3 that Jesus said, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, that's a beautiful picture. Let's, let's just imagine that you're at home one evening, and you're not expecting guests at all, and your house shows that. You know what I mean? The house is not ready to receive people. It's a little bit messy. You let the kids learn a little wild, or you just didn't pick stuff up. Uh, you're looking at me like it never happens to you. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that we're the only ones that ever has a, he a messy house. But let's imagine you're sitting there, and you hear a knock at the door. Now, back, uh, I was laughing the other day, back when we were kids, when somebody knocked at the door, everyone ran to the door to see who it was. Nowadays, everybody hides from the door. Nobody wants to answer the door, you know? But let's just imagine you're courageous, and you, answer the, you go to the door, and there's a stranger at the door. Now, more than likely, because your house is not, not clean, you're going to tell the stranger, uh, you know, let's, <laughs> I know what you've got to say is important, but let me step out on the porch 
and we'll talk about whatever it is, or you can't come in. But say, on the other hand, you go to the door, and it's a, it's a friend, and they say, look, I need to talk to you about something important. And you're going to say, well, you know what? The house is a mess, but come on in. It, it doesn't matter, because you know they're not going to judge you. You know they're going to come in, and they probably will help you clean up the house if you need to do that. And that's kind of how Jesus is, you know? Jesus wants to be that kind of friend, that kind of companion that you just say, hey, he's at the door, come on in. The house is not great, you know, and he's going to come in and he's going to help you clean it up. And that's the kind of Jesus you need to present to your kids. Because if the Jesus we present is a stranger, or the Jesus that we try to present is, you know, is critical all the time and yelling and demanding, then that's not going to be the Jesus that they're going to want to come into their lives. So we have to show them this Jesus who is full of empathy in their life and concern for them. Let me ask you this morning, can you see your role as primarily making a disciple of your child? Maybe you never thought about parenting in that way, but that's primarily what it's all about. And I understand the parent and child relationship. You know, I had parents, I had great parents, but they yelled at me too. You know, we have four kids, you know, sometimes you have to be the, gad, the bad guy, you have to be the disciplinarian, you have to be the one that says no. But do you see yourself as a disciple maker? Do you, do you see yourself as having a vision for this child? Do you have a strategy for them? Can you impart truth with love? And do you have empathy for them right where they are? Let me tell you what, we, we can go out of here and get in the car and say, wow, this is, this is a great day. What did you guys learn in, in class? But you know what? Even though it's easy today, tomorrow it's probably going to hit you, and tomorrow's coming. And I just want to encourage you to see yourself in the light that we just talked about. Part of our vision as a church is to make disciples who make disciples. So I want to encourage you to be a disciple that makes a disciple of your child, but also that makes a disciple of them who will, in fact, influence and make other disciples as well. There's no better place for that to happen than in the family. No better place. This morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you, how did you get to where you are? Wasn't there someone along the way that helped you? Was there a parent? Was there a family member, a grandparent, an uncle, aunt, a neighbor? Who was it that, that was there for you? Who, who showed you Jesus in a compelling way as a friend who wanted to come into your home? Who, who, uh, who got messy with you? Who got down in the hole with you and spent time with you in your, at your worst moment? You know, our kids are grown, and all of them are in serving-type uh, roles and, and professions. And Lori and I would like to think, man, we, we, uh, we did a few things right to help them get there. But I humbly have to say that we had a lot of other people along the way that helped out as well. And I think back through the years, I think about nursery workers. Nursery workers who loved our kids enough to sit with them when they weren't at their best so that we could, could serve and minister. You know what? Being in ministry, you, you almost never get to sit out there with your family uh, and, and with, your, uh, with, with, with the rest of your family. And so uh, Lori and I would oftentimes be serving, and there would be people who would be loving our kids along the way. And I think about those people. I also think about um, early childhood teachers and Sunday school teachers and junior church workers and, um, and, and youth ministers and d-group leaders and sponsors all along the way that had a huge impact on our kids. Sometime when we couldn't reach them, somebody else did. And all along the way, together, with the help of God, we help move them on their journey toward Jesus. And glory to God, thankfully, by God's grace, they're now helping others do the same. But I just want to say, I'm so grateful for the people 
uh, in our life who did that. And some of them are in this room. Some of you all had a big part in helping us raise our kids. And I also want to connect that to the point that right now in the back, there are volunteers who are working with some of your kids. They're spending time with them. They're talking to them and, and they're, they're directing them and maybe correcting them. I don't know what's going on back there, but I'm sure it's all good. But, but they're back there with our kids. And you ought to be grateful. You ought to thank a volunteer because they're helping to provide and prepare your child for tomorrow. They're doing that today. Let me wrap up this morning with some next steps for you. Here's the number one thing, number one. If you have not done so, I want to encourage you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You cannot take someone where you're not yourself. You were created to have a relationship with God and sin came and broke that relationship and put us in the hole. It put us separated from God. But Jesus came to our earth. He came to our rescue. He climbed down into the hole with us, became human, died for our sins. And then we were raised to life. On the, he was raised to life on the third day. And because of that, we have the same hope in our lives. He got himself and us out of the hole. And the Bible says, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you confess him as Lord you will be saved. That's where you have to start. That's the most important thing for you as a parent. Here's the second thing I want to challenge you. Throughout this series, we've talked about Monday's coming. I want to challenge you to change your Monday mindset to make a Monday impact. I want you to stop thinking about faith being a Sunday thing and think about what does it mean to carry my faith into the workplace, like we talked about a few weeks ago, and developing community throughout the week. And what does it mean to, what does it look like uh, for my kids as I teach them and encourage them. Everywhere I go, I want to make an impact tomorrow that is, comes from what I've done today. And here's the third thing I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to commit one hour a week and use it to the impact the lives of children. Maybe some of those children who, who do not have the type of opportunity that your children have. I hope you're doing a great job, and, and maybe we can encourage you in that. But maybe you just need to spend one hour a week helping somebody else. You know, we always need volunteers in our, our nursery, in our preschool, our, our you know, our uh, Journey Kids programming. We always need kids. Uh, we always need uh, volunteers to help with the kids. We also need volunteers in, in the way, which is our junior and senior high ministry, student ministry. Maybe God's calling you to say, you know what, that's what I need to do. God has put you in a place where you have gifts and you have strengths and you need to be using them to serve other people not only does that bless the people serve, but it also sets an example for your children, even if they're grown, to model what it means to be a servant and to help lead other people on a closer journey toward Jesus Christ. Guys, today is great, but tomorrow's coming. I want to encourage you to be ready. Jesus is not limited to today and this time we have here. Jesus is eternal. He wants to be with us and in us 24-7. And that all begins with our accepting him as our Lord and Savior. And if you've not done that, I would love to have that conversation with you this morning. Just grab me or call me throughout the week or whatever. I would love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. Right now, we're going to transition just a bit, and we're going to, we're going to remember what Jesus did for us as we go to a time of communion. Remember what we do today provides, prepares us for the week ahead. And so as we take a few moments to share in our communion time, we invite you, if you are a believer, to take uh, as they pass, a, a cup of juice and a piece of bread. The juice is a symbol of the, the blood of Jesus that was 
poured out for us and the bread's a symbol of the body of Christ that was broken for us. In fact, the Bible calls this the Lord's Supper. It is a meal of remembrance and a meal of preparation for getting out into the world tomorrow. So I pray for you. We ask that God would bless these emblems and bless you as you partake. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just come to you and we want to ask you to bless us as we share in this memorial meal. God, remind us that it's not just a, a part of the service, but it's, it's, it's integral to um, help us be aware of your love for us, a reminder weekly uh, of how much you gave for us and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. God, remind us also that it's a time to examine ourselves and to acknowledge that we're not perfect, that we're not the people that we always intend to be, but God, that we are by your grace, that we are saved and that we have hope and we can be changed. God, also help us to see it as nutrition, spiritual nutrition to move us into tomorrow. God, we love you and we worship you and we ask in Christ's name, amen.